Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. Jonathan Isaac is back. We may have a tropical storm visiting Disney World this weekend, but that's okay. We're done with the three scrimmages, and it's an eight-game sprint towards the postseason now. Let's go. This should be a fairly quick episode today. So uh, jumping in, Penny, what did we think of how the Magic looked in their three scrimmage games? They played the top three teams in the West. They lost to the Clippers. They lost to the Lakers. And then with Fultz and Jonathan Isaac uh, uh, playing in the, in the contest, they, they won a game against the Denver Nuggets. How, first impressions or just overall impressions of how uh, of how we we looked or what, or what uh, the quality of basketball looked like to you. Yeah, I was uh, honestly, I would say, shocked uh, that the the quality. I mean, obviously, not perfect NBA basketball, but uh, I think quality wise, it was uh, far and above a normal preseason type atmosphere um, and, and quality of play. So I was pretty surprised that after such a long layoff, uh, and and many people with not having access to gyms or hoops. Uh, you know, there was there was scoring and cohesion much more than I thought. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think I I tend to agree, and I guess the the professionals would tend to agree that the um that that the quality of basketball was better than definitely better than summer league, better than an NBA preseason game. Uh, but you know, it, it it was pretty close to regular season basketball. It really was. Um, it's. I mean, one of the things that I would say to be wary of is that um, no, no, nobody played close to their max minutes from a starter's perspective on like any team. So you had teams, whether because of you know uh, load management or they weren't there because they were either in and out of the bubble or because of you know COVID nineteen um, worries earlier on when people players were still coming in, like most of the teams didn't quite fully get into their rotations. Like, I mean, Clifford, I don't think played a magic player more than 30 minutes in any of those games. I'm, I'm quite certain actually with that. So it'll be interesting to see now when, with these games that are actually going to count how much fatigue is actually going to factor in. But from a quality perspective, I mean, like I was worried, I don't know about you with the, with the Laker game, when magic were shooting under 15% during the game, I was a little concerned, but, um, you know they they kind of made a made it a game of it with the Lakers in that loss. You know they came out of the gate early and well you know, for the most part against the Clippers, and then that Nugget game they were killing Denver. And then you know the second half there was more bench and third string guys involved that the Magic were able to eke out a win. Which uh, look, their scrimmage games it's more about just getting guys just reps in general, getting them more in the flow. But it was nice that the Magic won that Denver game. Just to say that you're you're on the board, even though it won't count. Obviously, it's right. it's up to these eight games. But I think just from a little bit of a confidence perspective, especially again, I, I did like that the Magic were playing the three toughest teams in the e- in the West. You know, at least uh, playoff seating wise. And I know Denver's missing some people, or they were resting people here and there. But that's still a very good Denver team. And to see you know us dominate them at least for a half was pretty great 
Um, so, all right, how we like in the NBA court setups? How we like in the Fox Sports Florida broadcast? Just yeah, you know, a, a couple of in, just a couple of interesting things that I've noticed. And you know, obviously the biggest one is instead of empty seats, you're seeing kind of the court enclosed with video boards and I don't know I again I'm not a professional basketball player but I I would be I would feel like I'd, my vision would be a little bit distracted with some of the graphics and some of the the lighting coming off those boards but I haven't heard much player complaints of any at all um there's 32 mics on under around the court apparently um and then there's going to be I guess 300 fans who are going to be digitally imposed on the video boards so if you're the home team you're going to have 300 of your fans just kind of you know behind the free throw line on the baseline um it's going to be interesting to see if they're going to use any audio from that or if it's just going to be kind of these muted fans kind of smiling and going crazy kind of watching uh I've noticed that probably the most awkward thing about it is actually when you know players are at the free throw line how quiet it is just pure pure quiet and you know I think Vucevic was one of the magic players that commented on just how kind of jarring that is just that that quietness but other than that you know they're all pretty confident in in how well the NBA has been able to kind of pull off this playing experience so far and other than you know uh Luka Doncic on the Mavericks almost getting decapitated by a track cam um, you know, it's been pretty smooth so far. Yeah, I was, uh, I, I guess NBA players, I mean, you've been on the Amway Center floor. Um, there's a lot of digital distraction, but I think it gets muted by the tiers of the arena, right? The, you know, promenade level and everything. Um, and, and it's broken up by human bodies. So when it's complete pitch black and then nothing but advertisements around and then even the the selected fans it's still like a digital billboard it's not actual three-dimensional fans so uh, i'd be interested to see what what kind of shooting percentage or um you know like mishandled passes on the sideline or, or what kind of impact that might have but you know like i'm just trying to think of like final fours where you know the court is in a football stadium, and the sight lines severely impact shooting and stuff like right, that. Right, because the court's elevated, and like you have guys worried that they're going to impale the their legs falling out of bounds or something. Yeah, I mean there's there's a bunch of things with that. Um, I, I I'm a pretty big fan of some of the camera experimentation they've been doing with this. Like I said, I mentioned the track cam as a joke, but I actually like it. It reminds me kind of a little bit of how they were doing some of the broad, some international NBA broadcasts or some MB, older NBA broadcasts where they have these kind of just these much better lower to the ground but closer, you know, in action kind of shots of of just NBA you know players, be it you know offensive sets or be it you know sprinting on a breakaway or whatever. And I like it so far. Uh, music's been interesting. Um, now, supposedly, I guess for the Nugget game, I guess for the players themselves, they actually did have like fake crowd noise implemented for them. I don't recall hearing it much on the broadcast. Maybe I wasn't listening hard enough. The music stuff with the MCs or DJs, whatever you want to call them, handling music that we've been hearing has been kind of inconsistent so far. Because like music for the Laker Magic broadcast, I thought was horrendous. And that was the Magic's home game. Their one home game was that one. And I don't know... 
because I think they gave us did they give us the Clippers PA announcer as well, which he's no Paul Porter, but we'll, I guess we'll we we can expound on that in a second too. But um, I mean, just the music, just music choices from a rhythm perspective were just terrible. Like if I was playing basketball, I would hate playing with that music. Whereas the other side, the music used for the Magic Nuggets game was great. I thought like all the songs were great. Like it it fed into the offensive flow of that game really well and. I, it's it's going to be interesting to see just how how that's going to be consistency wise. Is it going to really vary based on which team is like a home team or not? I don't know if you right. noticed that or what type of quirks you saw. Yeah, well, I think that there's still you know we kind of talked about. It. I think that the, the each stage in the bubble games is probably more experimentation leading up to how can we get a finished product in the playoffs that. Um, while still unique to this situation and, you know, new basketball still brings a polished and, and, and uh, like, uh, heightened sense of atmosphere and entertainment. So, yeah, I, I think it's interesting. I think they're also projecting additional, like, you know, logos and graphics onto the floor, too. Right, for the TV folks, yeah. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I don't know, I... I will be very interested to see tonight when the NBA kicks off again with, you know, meaningful games and also tomorrow when the magic resume, uh, what, if any changes have been made from the scrimmages to the seeding games for sure. Yeah. Adam Silver. So we're recording this Thursday, uh, the July 30th. It's, it's late afternoon, early evening. So there's TNT's got their doubleheader tonight. Adam Silver's going to be there. So, you know, the NBA is going to want to get it right for sure for those. And then we'll get into the magic schedule in a bit, but yep, they, they play Friday or tomorrow afternoon against Brooklyn. And that's going to be a big one. Uh, Fox Sports Florida broadcast. I think they've been outstanding. Like David Steele, Jeff Turner have been awesome. They've been flawless. It almost you almost forget that they're they're calling the game from the Amway Center interview room where it's their, you know, a 30-minute drive away from from Dis- from the Disney World bubble, but you know, they're using these monitors in in the, in the Amway Center interview room to to really uh to to call the game and i think they've been great so far i I don't know if you got a critique on that but i mean it's been it's been probably the most flawless part of this stuff so far yeah i was surprised at how seamless it was uh and you know the only thing that doesn't make sense to me i guess uh they have to switch it up still but having having dante at the like halftime desk um in the inside the bowl of the arena but the actual commentary and color commentary i think has been up to the standard that we're used to which is first class yeah it's kind of yeah the fox sports florida folks not moving the desks from the i guess it's it's the top of the of the lower bowl because they usually you see that desk either out on church street or out in the lower bowl i guess they have two of them i I guess that's what they do with that but it's kind of funny that they didn't move it they just kind of have it right there as 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 you would usually see if you're going to a game at amway center um, yeah, I, I'm a little surprised we haven't seen any mascots just because with baseball, like I was, I'm a Phillies fan. So I see the Philly fanatic kind of roaming around an empty citizens bank ballpark. And now unfortunately baseball's got a shit show with, with COVID-19 cases, especially with the Marlins. And now the Phillies, they had a few staff members get it and whatnot. So you're seeing the difference between bubble sports and not bubble sports. And so far, so good for the NBA, even with uh, a few players maybe not fully cooperating. Uh, 
I don't know about you, Penny. I would not. Uh, I, I I don't care how good your wings are. If if I'm in the middle of a pandemic, I just would not go to a strip club and get wings. That's just that's just my thing. I, I don't know about you. I don't know what what flavor of wings would make you venture to that. And I and he, and I guess when they're named after you, because Lou Williams is has wings named after him at that Magic City Strip Club in Atlanta. But I I just just get somebody to get it to go. Like it's, and you were there for a funeral and I get maybe if you wanted to vent a little bit, but like you can't do that, man. And you can't wear your MBA prescribed uh, face mask to the strip club as well. That's just, it's whatever. I don't know. But I, well, yeah, I, you're not a big wing guy. I'm not. No, like, I, it's, I'm a, I'm, I'm not a wing guy. You definitely are um, for sure. So I, I maybe, maybe Lou Williams is in the right here. I don't know. Uh, there's, there's under the circumstances, there's no food uh, worth going out for, uh, especially when if you're if the if the wings are named after you, uh, they can probably uh, cater or provide some delivery, right? Yeah. So and the girls could probably deliver too, so you get both things that you're looking for. <laughs> this is true. Um, so I guess Paul Porter had a few uh, calls, has a few calls dubbed into the soundboard, which it's it's great. It's better than no Paul Porter at all. Um, they have the three and the slam calls that he does. I think Funny, that's it. I, think I was uh, monitoring some back and forth Twitter interaction where uh, at one point in time, the Paul Porter Wikipedia page also had the slam call as, oh man. And I've never like, heard him make that call and i guess no. he's been around for 30 years right so but i've never heard him make that call and not ever linked it to a slam dunk to where it could be oh man but evidently half the people think he's saying oh man yeah that's weird mate i don't know man Cause, yeah like you and i like we know like he's saying slam he's not saying oh man but it's just like i had somebody on twitter point out like say like no he's saying oh man i'm like no dude he's saying slam what, what the hell so um I, did you hear the you heard the magic broadcast for the Nuggets game? I I, I assume so. You might have heard the. I'm assuming it's the Clippers PA announcer. It's the guy needs some more energy. Like we, I don't know if they're going to do a rotation of PA guys, but I it's it's a big downgrade from Paul Porter. That's just my thing. Um, my viewpoint on that. We've been spoiled since the inception of the franchise. Everybody, for the most part, everybody's a big downgrade from Paul Porter. Yeah, it's going to be a sad day whenever he retires. Hopefully it's not anytime soon. But um, I am also disappointed that they don't whip out the Star Wars music for the fourth quarter intro, especially when you're on Disney World property and they own Star Wars and you still don't use the fourth quarter intro. So somebody's got to tell the DJ or the MC to play that. Um Okay, let's get into, I, I guess, well, we, we can talk about what we're going to think about these eight uh, actual seeding games that are going to happen. I guess a few roster notes uh, to keep an eye on. So Steve Clifford today just said that he plans on using a 10 to 11 player rotation, which is a little bit more than what his standard nine-man rotation is. Um, it depends on who's available, I guess, but it doesn't look like we're going to get a one do back on Friday. Uh, Clifford seemed to be hinting that uh, whether he's still not feeling, a one do still isn't feeling great after falling on his face literally, uh, and then lacerating his eyebrow and taking four stitches, you know, above his left eyebrow, I guess, uh, or left his left eye. Um, 
I think he was in the concussion protocol for a bit, but it's, he's he's technically out of it. But I guess they they feel he needs a little bit more time. Thankfully, you know, I, I love Wes, but we we have a decent amount of depth at, at his position. I think where we'll be okay for a few games, but it sucks because I think Wes was actually looking pretty good uh, out of most of the roster when it came to just his on court performance on both ends. Um, Aaron Gordon, he sat out the Denver game with I guess a mild groin strain or groin issue. Uh, he should be good to go Friday. Fultz and Isaac, they they came back Monday. Both of them played. Uh, you know they they should both be available to play in the Brooklyn game and for you know moving forward. Hopefully, it's just a matter of do either of them start or either of them on minutes restrictions. I think part of the ten to eleven man rotation is that it's probably Isaac Fultz and I guess Bamba. It may or may not be in the rotation. Don't know. Um, are on minutes restrictions. Um, but Penny, is, is Bamba behind Birch in the rotation? Did, did I miss something? Did Swole Bamba put on so much muscle and weight that his cardio is that terrible that he can't play 12 minutes a night? Like, what's going on with, with him that yeah, you saw? I, I think it's part of the, right, it continues to be taking the long-term approach. And uh, even though the Magic are obviously prioritizing a seventh seed and a bubble playoff run the the future of the franchise is bomba and isaac and faults and not necessarily in that order um and who knows you know they've looked kem's looked all right uh bomba has looked okay in when he's not gassed and very uh limited spot minutes but i think that they're probably going to Obviously, an 11, 10 to 11 man rotation is uh, playing more depth than, than Clifford has uh, been want to do in the past. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, to your point, probably we'll see uh, a, a lot more games where entire, you know, entire games are taken off for rest, even in these eight seeding games, just to, uh, because it's so unprecedented and uncharted that they're trying to keep everyone safe and sound. and. Um, you know, you're you're invested to Bamba long term and not necessarily for the month of July and August. Yeah. All right, I got two lineup questions for you. So I'll ask the uh, I'll ask this one first. So which, based on what you've seen so far, and assuming guys get more up to speed, or you know, like Isaac and Fulton Bamba, let's say, which is our best five man lineup? Let's say like. Everybody gets back up to shape cardio wise, and like we'll get to you know hopefully the playoffs. And what's our best five man lineup? What, what do you think? Oh man, so not starting lineup, but just the best five on the floor. I mean, not necessarily. I guess who would you finish a game with? I guess then. I mean, because that's what I would consider as your best five. Because not necessarily who you start. It's always who who finishes. Right. You want me to go uh, first, or you got your five? You go first, and I'll tell you what I'd change. So. I think the four seems to be pretty easy when it comes to Vucevic, Isaac, Aaron Gordon, and Markel Fultz. I think those four would be in my best five. The tricky part is, what you, what do you do at shooting guard? Because for me, look, Fournier has not looked too great in these in these three games, even though... You know, I was watching his Instagram videos. The man like transforms workouts. Like he he really put in a lot of work. But I I was looking at that Laker game. I or I, I believe it was the Laker game um, where 
Fournier was just getting absolutely just wrecked defensively. I mean, there were so many points being scored against him. I literally thought it was more than half of them in, in one of those in that first half. But I'm just so concerned that he's he's just whatever he he comes up with offensively, he's going to give it right back on the other end. That the ball's going to stick to his hands too much, and I'd I'd almost rather go with a guy like uh, like Wes Wandu or uh, or even Michael Carter Williams. And so I actually have one do as the as the shooting guard. I can't I can't back it up with with much statistically. There's too little out there. I mean, the Magic looked really good those few games without Fournier there before you know after the All Star break and before um, you know we shut down because of COVID nineteen. I mean, the Magic the you know right after the All Star break had the best offense in the league, which is, is still crazy to think about. But offensive efficiency wise, the Magic had the best offense in the league. Some of that was without Fournier. All of it was without Isaac. Um, I think maybe one or two might have been without Aaron Gordon. I can't remember now off the top of my head. But um, I I just trust a two uh, an unselfish two-man player at the shooting guard spot more than Fournier. And to piggyback off that even more is looking at a, pup, at a bench lineup. I mean, a bench that would include either, you know, Bomber, Birch starting at center, and then you'd have... Ennis, Ross, Fournier, and Augustine, like that's a really strong bench unit in my mind. And in a situation, especially with these eight seeding games where you're going to have coaches dipping into their rotations more or into the benches more, you know, limiting minutes, maybe resting guys certain games, having a really good bench can really be a big difference in a contest. And so especially when the Magic don't have, you know, a go-to all-star or anything like that, you know, I, I I think having like a guy like a Wandu in my starting lineup as a fifth op- offensive option, I actually would prefer that. And then you can have the scoring capabilities of Ross and Fournier and Augustine playing off each other, uh, coming in off the bench. But give me your thoughts. Uh, I think it's an interesting uh, cohesion. I, I don't disagree, actually, for a starting lineup, but I would not want to close with... Uh... I don't trust Wes as a closing shooting guard. So I'll tell you who I would close with. I would actually close with Michael Carter-Williams as the shooting guard. Really? Yeah. It's crazy, but, I mean, the man was putting up points, too. And I'm not asking him to put up points. I'm just asking him to move, get us moving on the fast break, to, to, to just be a lockdown defender, and then you let the other guys take care of the offense. But, I mean, MCW was putting up points. We'll and see. I don't want to have to rely on him for that. I don't want to, have to rely on a shooting, but the man, the man was scoring, and so he's picked up where he left off uh, across the board. Yeah. So it's and look, it, it's you got guys in the final years of their deals. I mean, you got Fournier potentially, who he has that seventeen million dollar player option at the end of the season. He can decide whether to pick that up or not. But then you got Augustine's going to be a free agent. I'd be kind of surprised if we brought Augustine back, unless it's at a really decent deal, less than even the seven million that he's making now. Um, Michael Carter Williams, his two million dollar deal is up this season. After this season, he's been probably one of the greatest bargains in Magic history. It's it's been unbelievable the bang for dollar that we gotten from from him. You got a one do who's going to be a free agent. You got Gary Clark, and I haven't even mentioned Gary Clark. Gary Clark has been the best fisherman in the NBA, and then he put up like a whole bunch of three-pointers in that last Nugget game. And Gary Clark, as I guess a third power forward, pretty good. So 
um, or at least at, le- at least another three-point shooting option. Uh, but I mean, you got a lot of guys that are trying that are going to be proving themselves, and MCW is still one of them. And look, I, I trust that guy at the end of the games. I don't trust Fournier at the end of a game. I, I, as especially as an off, you know, as a defense, as a guy on the floor defensively. But I mean, even offensively, I'd rather let Fultz run point and go from there, or let Aaron Gordon try and create for himself. A lot of the. I don't agree with that. That that Fournier has lo- well, that's not true. He has not lost the trust of the coaching staff. Obviously, no, no. He has lost the trust of dedicated Magic fans. I think the only thing that we are. Uh, the collective we are comfortable with is there's no other decision. It's literally the last play of the game and it must be a shot. Uh, He can take that shot because he has done it and has made them. But if it comes to uh, a crucial fourth quarter possession, you, you can count uh, on numerous occasions where he's made a boneheaded is the best. (laughs) It's the nicest way to say it. It seems like his brain shuts off in the fourth quarter well, when things tight. Well, because look, he's hit some he's hit some clutch shots in the final minute, but it's almost kind of like the Hito Turkoglu syndrome, where sometimes with two or three minutes to go, he does make boneheaded decisions and puts us in a situation where we got to get bailed out by a big play at the end. And I'm wondering if we would just run more efficiently if we didn't have Evan on the floor at all, and we would we would win games in less heart attack fashion, basically. But um, one of the other things was having an MCW Fultz duo in the backcourt sounds like a shooting disaster. But from a plus minus perspective, um, I was just listening to uh, the Low Post uh, podcast that just lately came out. They were talking about like the rest of the teams that they hadn't already mentioned in the bubble. And they, they talked about the Magic first. And the plus the minus numbers for uh, MCW and Fultz as a backcourt are actually not bad. Um, same thing goes with Fultz and uh, Augustine. But um, my point is, look, three. Look, this is this is a shooting league. But in a situation where you're the Magic and you have unbelievable versatility and size, and your bigs can score, and in this situation, I'm considering you know AG as the uh, you know, as the as the as one of the bigs that can score, and obviously Vucevic who can score, but I, I shooting isn't everything. And just from an eye test perspective, I I would rather have a Wondu or MCW out there than Fournier, which is crazy because obviously Fournier is worth much more as a player. But it's I, I don't know. I, I I wouldn't bring him back at, at at a higher price than what he's at for sure. And if if he doesn't pick up his player option, I would say goodbye. That's it. But well, that's me. Is, it's interesting now because, again, we'll bring it back to the best five on the floor and specifically the closing five. Where somebody's now that Isaac is back um, and continues to show that he's probably the best shot that we have at a really meaningful, impactful two way player, he, he has to be on the floor at closing time. Uh, so somebody's going to get squeezed between. If you're talking about really the four best players that we have on the wing between Isaac, Gordon, Fournier, and and Ross, and yeah, we're not. Even, I haven't even talked about Ross because you can't right because you can't take a point guard off the floor. So who's it going to be? And then does that does that make the decision for the frame? I mean, you know, Fournier has the player option, but moving forward, does that make the decision for the franchise a little bit? easier that uh even though we can't necessarily 
replace Evan Fournier externally via free agency, uh, maybe maybe through trade, um, but, but internally through promoting, uh, you know, <laughs> Fultz, Ross, Gordon, and Isaac, if you keep both, uh, is that an internal improvement over Fournier playing those types of minutes? Yeah. No, and I, we haven't even talked about Ross, man, because Ross, those first two games against the Lakers and the Clippers, he could not, he had trouble getting open. He, he and I, some of that is probably getting back into game shape. But I was having like Raptor playoff series flashbacks uh, of him just being either doubled or just kept away from the ball at all times, and I'm just like, oh no. And then thankfully he he caught a little bit of fire in the Nugget game at least. But I I almost I mean. Look, Fournier, he, he he dribbles a lot more than Ross does. He gets to the hole more than Ross. But basically, they're the same type of player in that you want them to spread the floor. You want them to shoot. Um, in that situation, I prefer Ross over over Evan in that regard. But um, I would be curious to see, and this is why I'd like to see Evan come off the bench, because if you have both Evan, Ross, Augustine, that's three guys that can catch fire from three Um at any time, basically, I'd be very intrigued to see how much of an advantage that would give us with our second unit. But um, you got, give me your best five. Yeah, I my my best five at this point in time, and I hate to say it, uh, would would be DJ Augustine, Terrence Ross, Evan Fournier, Aaron Gordon, and Vucevic. If you're talking about what we're gonna do tomorrow, okay. Yeah. Well, so and tomorrow, I, I say that grudgingly, because I want <laughs> Fultz and Isaac on the floor. Right. So yeah. So that would have. So that gets into my second question, as far as which five would you be expecting to start Friday, or which would be kind of the the, the crunch time five tomorrow in a Brooklyn game, knowing that Isaac, Fultz, Bamba are on minutes restrictions. Um, you know, I have Vucevic, Aaron Gordon. Um, I don't have Ross. I have James Ennis. Ennis has looked good, and he's the man out of out of our roster who's who's who had symptoms from coronavirus, and he looked pretty good in that in, in, in most of those games actually. And then Fournier and Augustine to round out that that lineup. But look, man, DJ, just when you think he's out, man, DJ always reminds you like, hey, man, I can shoot forty over forty percent from deep, and he'll 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 pick up the pace a little bit and start dishing and whatnot, but. I mean, our offense just runs way better with Fultz at the helm, in my mind. Just Augustine just takes too long to get us into sets, and then there's the defensive liability factor with all that. Um, but I'm, I'm with you for Friday. I don't expect Fultz or Isaac to play more than 15 minutes. I, if if either of them play more than 15, I'll be pleasantly surprised. Um, yeah, I don't know if you have any other touch points from a, a rotation or lineup perspective. Again. Clifford was saying he's gonna go. He's gonna probably play ten to eleven in his rotation, and I'm assuming, you know, that's factoring in because you have at least three guys on minutes restrictions. Yeah, I, I, I'm just interested to see what's gonna happen. I, like you say, I, I can't imagine that a lot of the the young bucks will get a lot of time. So uh, hopefully, James Ennis can carry us tomorrow. All right, so uh, I want your prediction on what you think the Magic are going to do uh, with these eight games. I'll repeat. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll go over you know the eight games real quick. So Friday, July thirty first, the Magic are at Brooklyn to play the Nets at two thirty. Um, it's the basically the two games that we have that are 
in the afternoon or before 5 p.m. are both against Brooklyn. Um, so the other ones are evening or at least late, late afternoon games, thankfully. Um, it's because it, it was interesting to see the Magic. Their two losses, the, you know, scrimmage losses were afternoon games pretty much with the the Clipper game being at 3 p.m. and then the Laker game was a noon game on a Saturday. And then, um, you know, that night game Monday night was uh, against Denver was at 7 p.m. So maybe I'm looking too much into that. But look, that Brooklyn game, you got to win no matter what. But let me go over the other one. So the Magic play every other day except for there's a back-to-back in there. So so the second game is Sunday, August 2nd. They play. They host the Kings at 6 p.m. Uh, Tuesday, August 4th, they're at Indiana. That's a 6 p.m. tip. The next night, that's the back-to-back. Wednesday, August 5th, they host the Toronto Raptors at 8 p.m. Probably the team that they may face, that they'll likely face in the first round of the playoffs. They get on the second end of the back-to-back. Um, and then Friday, August 7th, they're at Philadelphia, 6:30 tip. Sunday, August 9th, at Boston, 5 p.m. tip. So from a from a difficulty perspective, uh, the middle portion of this schedule definitely gets uh, gets challenging. And then the last two games, it's Tuesday, August 11th. That's a 1 p.m. tip against Brooklyn. Uh, Magic would be the home team in that one. And then Thursday, August 13, with time to be determined, uh, they host the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, this eight-game schedule is a lot more difficult than um, what the Magic's remaining eighty you know, remaining schedule of the eighty-two game season would have looked like had had we not had the season stop because of coronavirus, and right. so they got kind of a rough deal with with some of this schedule. But um, what what prediction you got for for our eight games? Yeah, I I'm hopeful for five and three. Okay. Uh, I I feel like that being said, I, I feel like realistically we're looking at going 500, and I also think realistically that's assuming two wins over over Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also think that going four and four um, is enough to leapfrog into the seventh seed. Yeah, it definitely should be. I have us at four and four, so. The, the, the key is going to be those those first two games, especially the Brooklyn game. Like, if you lose that Brooklyn game Friday, you're you're in trouble because now you're a game and a half back of Brooklyn for the seventh seed, whereas if you win, you're, you leapfrog them, you're a half game up on Brooklyn, and you're in pole position from there on out. Um, the Sacramento game, that second game, the Magic should win that. It just depends on what Sacramento team we get because they're missing a lot of guys like they won't have Marvin Bagley but there's more talent on that on that team than you think they would have and then I think Harrison Barnes is still dealing with uh, after effects from having COVID-19 himself I believe and then but I mean it's all about De'Aaron Fox if they let Fox loose and actually run like a fast pace offense that could give us some problems because the Kings much of this year have actually been more slow tempo than they definitely than they should be and so if the Magic can slow them down they should win that Kings game um but it, it, ideally you really want to go 2-0 and because then you have at Indiana which looked worse a couple weeks ago than it does now um DeMontis Sabonis who's been a huge part of that team is out likely with plantar fasciitis. Um, Victor Oladipo may or may not play. He's at the bubble. He's played scrimmage games, but 
there's some weird stuff going on with Oladipo where he still may or may not play uh, with them. And so the Pacers are going to have to rely on Malcolm Brogdon and Miles Turner. And if the, if the Magic can go 3-0, and then I think you're, you're, you've locked up the 7 seed right then and there. Like everything else is almost gravy. But um, I think... Uh, you know, I think the Magic are going to win both those Brooklyn games. They're going to beat the Kings in that second game, and their fourth win is I, I, I is either going to be that at Indiana game, uh, which is the third of the eight games, or the last game against New Orleans. Um, I think that's where the four wins come. If they finish, if they go, if they get five or more wins, I look out. They they they're really hidden hidden stride. I think, and they might really give the Raptors trouble. Um, that Toronto game, which is fourth out of the eight games, is going to be interesting because, again, it's the second game of a back-to-back. Um, neither team will probably show much if, um, from a planning perspective, considering both teams know they're probably likely going to play each other in the playoffs if, if things go as planned. Um, even though I think I saw Kevin Pelton gave like a playoff prediction where the Magic have only like a 53% chance of being the 7th seed where, but and a 47% seed to, to be the 8th seed, which that seems off to me, but I don't know. Because, um, I mean, this Brooklyn team, and we're not even playing the Wizards, who are ninth and really have to have to get it going for them to force a, a play-in game, basically, or play-in situation. But um, the ESPN came out with this article about continuity or roster continuity, the Magic ranked first in roster continuity, and the Nets and Wizards were the second. Were, were both the two work, you know, lowest teams on that ranking. So, from a chemistry perspective, from a roster familiarity, availability, and just familiarity perspective, the Magic ranked the best out of anybody in the league for whatever that's worth. You remember um, all the way back, like ten years ago, at the start of the 2019-2020 NBA season, <laughs> yeah. Where we were uh, very excited about how the Magic's continuity from last year into this year should get them off to a fast start. Yeah. Uh, and that didn't come to fruition, so maybe this is the time where it really pays off. Yeah, but I look, I, I think you and I will both agree that if the Magic, and I have to emphasize this, don't end up with that seventh seed, it should be considered a complete disaster, and I think a lot of things need to be evaluated from, from there going forward. They, they have to get the seventh seed. Yeah, even though this is not a traditional playoff run, um, and even though everything is different about this entire situation, if this group of players can't make up half a game over a mercenary Brooklyn Nets team, then I think that says quite a bit about where we are and where we're going as an organization. But that's all I got, man. Uh, keep it short and simple. Um, maybe we'll do a pod uh, definitely in the middle of this eight-game schedule, maybe even sooner than that. Who knows? Depends on how we do and, and any type of new developments that happen. Uh, but, yeah, that's it. You got any final thoughts, anything you're looking forward to with these games? I, I'm hoping we just check in after a couple of Magic wins, and I'm really looking forward to uh... – sitting down tonight and tomorrow and watching meaningful NBA basketball again so we can chat about it later. All right, well said. Let's leave it at that. We appreciate you listening to another episode. Please subscribe and give us a wonderful rating. Tweet us any of your questions and feedback. Penny, what's your Twitter handle? 
at Spencer Strode. And if you're on Twitter, can you also tweet at Mattress Firm for me and tell, tell them they have terrible customer service? Thanks. <laughs> okay, now i got to ask, what's going on with the customer service with Mattress Firm? I, I, I advise all of our listeners <laughs> for your next mattress purchase to go anywhere but Mattress Firm uh, and also Mattress One, which evidently is a subsidiary of Mattress Firm. It is. You're, you're not wrong. But And I'm at Papa Giorgio MBO. And with that, go Magic. Take care and just win. Get out the way, get out the way, get out the way. Yeah. Yeah. Get out the way, get the